Hello, and welcome to Arsenal Audible. This is Nathan, and today we're going to look at how the Mavropanos deal to West Ham may affect Arsenal's bottom line, how a Guendouzi transfer may do the same, we'll dig into some numbers from Arsenal's 1-0 win over Crystal Palace, and look at the upcoming Champions League season. We'll re-familiarize ourselves with the format, some of the possibilities of who we may face, when it's going to happen, and what effects it's going to have on next year's new format. Let's dive in. Our first piece today by Andrew Allen is titled Mavropanos Deal to Net Arsenal Small Windfall. Gwenduzi next. Arsenal are in line for a small windfall after Dinos Mavropanos completed his move from Stuttgart to West Ham United. The Greece international completed a 20 million euro move to the London Stadium this afternoon, and it's reported that the Gunners will be entitled to 10%, having included a sell-on clause in the deal that took him to the Mercedes-Benz Arena last summer. The German side will still make a very healthy profit on their investment. Mavropanos spent two seasons on loan at Stuttgart, before leaving Arsenal permanently for 3 million euros plus 1.5 million euros in add-ons. The deal was considered something of a bargain for the Bundesliga side, given the centre-back had already become the fulcrum of their defence. There were rumours that West Ham were sniffing around this time last year, and it looks as though those rumours weren't unfounded. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on in the Premier League at the second time of asking. Signed by Sven Mislintat, Dinos made eight appearances for the Gunners, all during Arsene Wenger's final season, but failed to convince Unai Emery he was worth keeping. Elsewhere, there's a chance Arsenal could benefit from another sell-on clause with Matteo Ganduzzi being strongly linked with a move from Marseille to Lazio. According to Foot Mercado, the Stade Velodrome outfit are aiming to sell the France International for 22 million euros. It's claimed Arsenal could be in line for 15%. He left Arsenal on a permanent basis last year for around £10 million. Our second piece, by John Allington, is Arsenal 1, Crystal Palace 0, by the numbers. And in this piece, John Allington includes a number of incredible charts, graphs, a really detailed presentation of statistics and data on the game. I highly, highly recommend looking at it. Uh, Everything from field tilt to shots, possession, momentum, uh, you name it, is all laid out here. uh, Very well done uh, in this article. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to describe uh, all of this data to you, since that would be uh, long, boring, and ineffective. Uh, But instead, we'll simply read the parts uh, where he wrote out um, longer form content. One, heading into the match at Selhurst Park, Arsenal had won only one of their last five Premier League games. With a record of winning one, drawing two, and losing two, but had lost just one of their previous eight league encounters with Crystal Palace, having won three and drawn four. The Gunners started slowly, but had grown into the game when Eddie Nketiah came very close to opening the scoring around the half-hour mark. Arsenal pressed well to win the ball back from Jeffrey Schlupp, and Ketia managed to position himself between both central defenders and held off Mark Guehi, but was unfortunate to see his shot come back off the post of a 0.2 XG attempt. Not long after, Enketia was played in beautifully by Declan Rice, following a nice passage of interplay, but saw his attempt from close range 
a 0.45 XG attempt, fly over from Sam Johnstone's bar. At halftime, the score was 0-0, but Arsenal were in full control. They had taken 9 shots with 0.96 XG, compared to their opponent's 5 shots with 0.11 XG. Arsenal had 22 touches in the opposition box to their opponent's 6, completed 310 passes compared to 148, and won 27 duels, whereas Palace had won 21. 10 minutes into the second half, and Ketia was again involved when Gabriel Martinelli's quick free kick found the striker. He went to ground under pressure from the sliding Johnstone, earning Arsenal a penalty. 82. Bukayo Saka's start for Arsenal marked his 82nd consecutive Premier League match, equaling Paul Merson's club record in the Premier League. But it was Martin Odegaard who stepped up to take the spot kick and slotted home from 12 yards with a 0.7 XG, sending Johnstone the wrong way. 24. There were just over 24 seconds between the ball going out of play and Takahiro Tomiyasu being shown a yellow card. Within these 24 seconds, Tomiyasu held the ball for 8 seconds, Kai Havertz for 9 seconds, and Martinelli for approximately 6 seconds. 7 minutes later, Tomiyasu was shown a second yellow card for the softest of fouls on Jordan Ayew. Arsenal dug deep for 30 minutes, but in truth, Aaron Ramsdale was never seriously tested as the visitors secured all three points. 4. All four Arsenal subs, introduced after the red card, maintained a 100% pass accuracy after coming on. Jorginho, 10 for 10. Zinchenko, 6 for 6. Kivior, 4 for 4. And Gabriel, 1 for 1. 14. Arsenal took a total of 14 shots. And while 11 were inside the box, just 2, or 15%, were on target. 0. Following the red card, Arsenal failed to register a single shot, while Crystal Palace managed to take seven. 33. Before the red card, Arsenal had amassed a total of 33 touches in the opposition box, while Crystal Palace had just eight. However, after the red card, Arsenal didn't register a single touch in Palace's area. Now Declan Rice's game by numbers. He had 90% pass accuracy, 68 touches, 7 passes into the final third, 4 possession won, 3 duels won, 1 chance created, 2 passes into the penalty area, and 0 fouls. Arsenal's record signing controlled the midfield, stopped transitions, and made 4 recoveries. He set up Eddie and Ketia for the best chance of the match and was a key part of Arsenal's dominance until Tomiyasu's red card. His performance after the sending off showcased his leadership, and if he continues in this vein, he'll soon become a pivotal Arsenal player. Now, Kai Havertz's game by numbers. Kai Havertz completed 89% of his 28 passes, took a shot inside the box, created an excellent opportunity for Martinelli, two shot-creating actions in total, played two passes into the penalty area, won four out of six aerial duels, ranking first, made three ball recoveries, and played a significant role in controlling the game. Much of the criticism directed at Havertz arises from the perception of him as an attacker. If he were to be evaluated as a midfielder, praise for his duels won, his pressing and tackling, 
His start at the club wouldn't be in question. 11. Arsenal have the most Premier League clean sheets away from home since the start of last season. 11. The Gunners have won 11 of 13 London derbies since the start of last season. Arsenal burst out of the blocks last season, winning their first five games while playing some sublime football. This year, we've secured two wins from two matches, although we're not quite firing on all cylinders. The back four is makeshift. The midfield includes two new signings, and our backup striker currently leads the line. As widely accepted, visiting Selhurst Park and collecting three points is no simple task. Going down to 10 men with 30 minutes left to play makes it even more challenging. However, despite not hitting top gear, Arsenal faced minimal trouble on Monday night, even after the shift in possession following the sending off, and have maintained a perfect start to the season. Until next time. Our final piece today is by Jonathan Rogers for Arsenal.com, titled Champions League Draw Info and Possible Opponents. As the 2023-24 season edges ever closer, we can begin to look forward to the return of Champions League nights after a six-season wait. Following the conclusion of many of the European leagues over the past couple of weeks, the picture as to who might face in the group stage of the competition is becoming a little clearer, especially with the preliminary rounds already kicking off at the end of this month. Here's everything we know so far about what our return to Europe's Premier Club competition currently looks like. The Champions League is entering its final season in its usual format of 32 teams, split into eight groups of four who play each other home and away. The two group winners advance into the round of 16, with the winners seeded and runners-up unseeded. The third-place team enter the Europa League playoff round while the team who finishes bottom of the group is eliminated from European competition entirely. The 2024-25 edition, however, will see an increase in teams to 36, who will compete in a single league. Each team will play eight matches against eight different teams, four at home and four away. The top eight sides in the league will qualify automatically for the knockout stage, while the teams finishing in 9th to 24th place will compete in a two-legged playoff to secure their path into the last 16. Two of the additional places will go to the associations with the best collective performance by their clubs in the previous season. That could mean that should English teams perform well in European competitions during 2023-24, the top five teams in the Premier League may qualify for this new version of the Champions League. Now let's look at who has qualified for the group stage so far. Our fellow top four finishers in the Premier League will all be in the group stage draw on August 31st, with freshly crowned champions Manchester City joined by us, Manchester United and Newcastle United, who are making their first appearance in the competition for 20 years. There will be five Spanish teams among the final 32, after Sevilla once again claimed Europa League glory. They will be alongside compatriots Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Real Sociedad, who finish in the top four of La Liga. Italy also has four representatives in Champions Napoli, runners-up Lazio, and Inter Milan and AC Milan, while Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, RB Leipzig, and first-time qualifiers Union Berlin will fly the flag for Germany. Lens earned a spot by finishing behind Paris Saint-Germain in Ligue 1, while Benfica and Porto 
and up to Portugal's two automatic places. Feyenoord, Red Bull Salzburg, Celtic, Red Star Belgrade, and Shakhtar Donetsk have also all made it to the group stage by winning their national leagues. Who else could join us? Well, qualifying for the eight remaining spots has been taking place all summer, and we have now made it to the final playoff round, with the winners of six ties going into the draw for the group stage. These fixtures are Maccabi Haifa versus Young Boys of Switzerland, Antwerp versus AEK Athens, Rako says Tochova of Poland versus Copenhagen, Molde of Norway versus Galatasaray, Rangers versus PSV Eindhoven, Braga of Portugal versus Panathinaikos. The two-legged ties will be completed by Wednesday, August 30th, in time. The losers will all drop into the Europa League, while the winners will make it to the Champions League proper. Do we know any potential opponents yet? Firstly, we cannot be drawn in the same group as any other English side, meaning a trip to Manchester to face either City or United is off the cards, as is a meeting with Newcastle. Due to our UEFA club coefficient, we will be placed in pot two during the draw, meaning we cannot place fellow pot two teams, Real Madrid, Inter Milan, Borussia Dortmund, Atletico Madrid, RB Leipzig, and Porto until the knockout stages. What is guaranteed is that we will face a seeded team from pot one, which means games against either Sevilla, Barcelona, Napoli, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, Benfica, or Feyenoord. We'll also be drawn against a team from pot three and pot four. Five of the sides in pot three are already confirmed. Those are Shakhtar Donetsk, Red Bull Salzburg, AC Milan, Lazio, and Red Star Belgrade, while the results of the qualifying rounds will determine who fills the other three spots. Everyone else will be in pot four, alongside Union Berlin and Lenz. The draw for the group stage will take place the day after the conclusion of the playoff round games on Thursday, August 31st. It will take place at the Grimaldi Forum in Monaco and will be streamed live on UEFA's website from 5 p.m. BST. Our first group game is scheduled to take place on either the 19th or 20th of September, with two and three week gaps between games alternating right the way through to the 6th and final game on the 12th or 13th of December. Following the winter break, the Champions League will return in February at the round of 16 stage, which will see two-legged ties take place. The quarterfinals will be in March, with the semis the month after, and the final will be held at Wembley Stadium on Saturday, June 1st. It will be the eighth time the stadium has hosted a European Cup final, and the third in the Champions League era, following on from the 2011 and 2013 finals. And that's your Arsenal news for August 23rd, 2023. We'll be back again tomorrow. You take care.